Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the MNQB podcast. It is October 11th. We are going into week six, and I am Matt Berteram, joined by Gilberto Manzano, as always. Gil, what's going on? Not too much, uh, Matt. You know, maybe a quick story off the top here. You know, I was at SoFi Stadium for the Rams-Eagles game. And I got to say, Matt, when I went into the Eagles locker room, I felt like I had VIP passes to like a like a rock concert. And the Eagles are on tour. And they're, they're out in L.A. And I'm in there and I am see Jason Kelsey holding court, uh, A.J. Brown, Darius Slay, uh, a bunch of stars in there. And the Eagles do this thing where like they only have Jalen Hurts go to the podium. So all the other star players are just hanging around talking to the media like 45 minutes and i'm like that felt like a rock band on tour and it it just something i haven't really been in besides the super bowl like a winning locker room at a super bowl besides that yeah it's interesting i mean you know some of these teams right now whether it's the niners or the eagles or the chiefs or or buffalo really forced on these injuries it feels like they have so many stars on the team that you know it's like it doesn't matter where you look there's somebody who's going to draw you know seven reporters um and jason kelsey that's a great call because jason kelsey's is he not the most popular offensive lineman in football? I think everybody knows who Jason Kelsey is at this point. Yeah, media scrum for a center. And, you know, he like it wasn't like a thing where, like, okay, all right, guys, let me go shower and I'll come back and I'll do it. Like, he he enjoyed it. He loved it. He has a podcast. And I think, you know, he had that, that outburst on the sidelines. I think he wanted to make sure everybody knew the full story. But he was like, I think I left the locker room 45 minutes later. And I'm like, he still hasn't started getting dressed or, or go to the showers. Like, I think this guy just really enjoys talking. You could tell, like, his personality is just, you know, off the chart. You know, some guys do. I remember I interviewed Travis Kelsey um, at, at an old employer. I, I interviewed him twice for a podcast. I interviewed him once when he was just starting to become who he was. He was sponsoring Tides. So it was like this, like, hey, I'm going to come on for 10 minutes. And and then he did one like a year ago. And obviously he, he's now who he is. And, and he came on and he couldn't have been more gracious. I, I think he was he was slated for like a 10-minute interview and he hung around for almost 20. And he was just talking about all kinds of things. I remember I asked him, People who might remember this, there was a game years ago they played Jacksonville, and he was furious that somebody didn't call a pass interference. And he was screaming at the back judge, and the back judge threw a flag on him for a personal foul because he was yelling at the back judge. And Kelsey pulled this towel out of the back of his pants and threw, threw it like it was a flag on the official. And then a hat started flying, a flag, and he got thrown out of the game. And I asked him about it, and he kind of sheepishly was like, yeah, that wasn't my finest moment, but I know it. It's I know it's on YouTube, and I know it has a lot of views. <laughs> so you know, yeah. I mean, some guys are you know, just, they don't care. They get it. You know, it's it's all it's all in good fun, and they'll sit there and they'll talk to you. Well, luckily for for Travis, now he has a bunch of videos with Taylor Swift on them that you you'd forget about that moment, yeah. and so it's okay. I'd say life's going pretty well for the Kelsey brothers. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think it's worked out. They're both going to go to the Hall of Fame. They both won Super Bowls, and Travis is too. They both won Super Bowls. They. We're on Saturday Night Live uh, over the over the off season. They have a Chunky's uh, or Campbell's Chunky <laughs> Soup commercial. A couple of them, I believe, together. 
Uh, things are good. Life's good for uh, Travis and, and Jason Kelsey. Um, and life's also good, by the way, as I segue in like a professional, to uh, Brock Purdy. Yeah. Brock Purdy is feeling pretty good about life, I would think, at the moment. Um, as his 49ers won two undefeated teams in the league, along with, of course, Philadelphia. They are 5-0. and oh. And Purdy was getting a lot of love uh, in the um, – in the Saturday Night Football broadcast, and rightfully so. I mean, listen, he, he played great. Uh, four touchdown passes. He has nine on the year, no interceptions. He has a QBR, if you care about QBR, of 83.6. It is far and away number one in the league. He is eighth in passing yardage. He's two, or second, I should say, in yards per attempt behind Tua Tungavailoa. He's playing great football. He's, uh, he's second in completion percentage. You can't ask for much more, and I guess this is where we should jump off. Like, is it is it time to just say, hey, look, this kid is Mr. Irrelevant, whatever, but he's excellent, and he's not just a part of this Niners team. He's a he's a leading member of it. Or does there have to be more nuance to it in your eyes? No, you know, I'll go with, with the first part you said. I, th- I think he is a leader and, and a valuable player for the 49ers, and you know, I'm not trying to say, you know, I was right on this guy, but like, I just felt like, okay, he, he's better than Jimmy G, and that's what you really need here for this 49ers team. Like, they've done it with Jimmy G. They've got into the Super Bowl. You can't get over the hump. And so if you're a little bit better than, than Jimmy G, maybe that's all you need for this loaded roster. And it seems like this team is more loaded than previous years. Maybe I'm forgetting the other teams, but they've had I some agree. very good teams. So, okay, cool. I'm, I'm glad that we confirmed that because it just seems different. And I don't know if that helps out Brock Purdy. But, you know, and, and also, you know, when it's primetime games, you get more love, you get more attention. So, you know, I, I don't want to take too much away from all, all the love Brock Purdy is getting there. But, you know, a little quick side story. I, I did love seeing the Fred Warner highlights there. Like, okay, finally, this guy's getting his, his due on He's primetime. Incredible. He's awesome. He's amazing to watch. But for Purdy, the, the thing I take away from that primetime game, those two throws to George Kidd, I'm like, okay, th- those are big time throws. Those are not just game game manager throw, okay run the offense, and give it to your top players. So when I saw that, I'm okay. I'm seeing more every week. But I think the poise from the rookie year was big. You know, just quick command of the offense, being a, a quick learner. He works hard. You hear all the stories about, you know, he's not even he's not even the most, you know, social person. He's all about football. And I guess when you're a quarterback and that's your entire life, that's okay. But to see him make plays and, and help people out and, and make this team better, I think to me goes a long way. And I'm not, I, I don't know where to rank him. But he's definitely more than a game manager, and I think he's a above-average quarterback. Yeah, you know, listen, um, I do our quarterback rankings every week, and I have him tenth. Mm. And I think, I think, I, I obviously, I think it's fair. If they didn't think that, then I'm really not doing a great job here. Um, I do think two things can be true at once. He is playing really well, and to deny that, I think, is to just be blind at this point. Like he is playing really well. He's not just some caretaker who can't do anything, he's doing a nice job. I also would say, and this is going to sound like a criticism, but it's not, like he's in the perfect situation. That is an incredibly talented team. It is a very quarterback-friendly offensive scheme in the Shanahan offense. And so it's, by the way, Tua plays in the same scheme. Okay, Tua plays in the same scheme with Mike McDaniel coming over from San Francisco. I would also say the same is true in terms of the perfect place. Like Patrick Mahomes ended up in the perfect place. He went to a team that had Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and Andy Reid. Like, you know what? Could have done a lot worse. It's That doesn't take away. That's reality. That's the world. I mean, it, you know, sometimes in life you fall into the right situation and maybe you would have been good somewhere else, but maybe you're great at that place because you're surrounded by greatness and so your, your talent can flourish. I, my only question with the Niners, and it really, again, this isn't even a criticism because I don't know what the answer is, they are so good, they get out to leads very quickly in most of these games, and they don't ever really have to play any other way but the way they want to play. Is there ever a game where they get down 14-3, and then, like, what does that look like? You know, because then the other team dictates the terms. I, I was thinking about this earlier. I was trying to come up with a comparison. I remember when I watched the 2019 Ravens, Zero Lamar was the unanimous MVP, and rightfully so, he was brilliant. And I remember thinking... All year. They, if you remember, if you go back and look at their games, they would just get out in front of teams, and then Wink would blitz the hell out of people, and they would run the ball, and nobody could stop them. And I remember thinking, 
My only question is if, if they get down in a playoff game, then what happens? Because then you can't blitz as aggressively and you can't run the ball. And the first playoff game they had, they got down 14 nothing in Tennessee and the thing went off the rails. I don't think that will happen with San Francisco. I think they're so talented they'd be able to come back and they can win a lot of different ways. But that's really the only question I have at this point. And it, to Purdy's credit, you never find out the answer because they're never losing. So it's hard to really you know, know the answer when every game you turn on, you're five minutes in, they're up 14 nothing. Yeah, when a team is that good and they're five and zero, you're, you're looking for you're looking at the schedule and looking for like, okay, where where will they lose? And you know, the only team that could match well right now with them is you know, I, I think it's the Eagles, and I think that game's in November, so it's still ways away. But you know, when it comes to like the NFL, there's going to be one game where you stub your toe, and it's like, okay, you should have beat that team, but it didn't work out. And I guess we'll we'll find out. The 49ers are really legit, and they go say I don't know, sixteen and one or fifteen and two, and it's like okay. They're, they're, that's a dominant force, but I, I feel like at one point there might be one game was like, all right, you should have won that game. Maybe it's a Seattle game. Maybe it's a a, a Rams game. Okay, maybe not the Rams, but a team has to be like a, like a feisty team like the, like the Seahawks could get you, I feel like. But, you know, going back to your point, I, I really like the point where you made it. Look, look, if Patrick Mahomes didn't end up in KC, maybe it doesn't go the same way for him. So, you know, I hate how people are trying to diminish Bill Belichick's legacy because, oh, he can't win with Tom Brady. Like, Every team needs a good coach, a good quarterback, a good running back, a good everything, right? It's such a dumb argument. It's such a dumb argument. When people sit there and go, you know, Belichick didn't have Brady. Okay, well, if Walsh didn't have Montana, he probably wouldn't have won three Super Bowls. But he did. He did. That's life. That's the way the world works. Like, some guys end up in crappy situations, and that sucks. And you know what I feel for him? Dan Marino had Don Shula, but they never had a defense, and they never had a running game. And back then, you needed a running game more than you do now, okay? Like, that happens. That's life. Phillip Rivers was a damn talented quarterback. Never got to a Super Bowl. Some of that's on him. Some of it's not. Like, Matthew Stafford never did anything accomplishments-wise in Detroit. Went to the Rams, immediately won a Super Bowl. Circumstances changed. Got Aaron Donald all of a sudden. Got Sean McVay. Got weapons. Like, I think sometimes... People just don't factor in that, yeah, man, there's nuance in life. Like, that's the way it goes, you know? If you're a ground ball pitcher in baseball and you got a defense behind you that's a sieve, you know, you're going to look a hell of a lot worse than if you got three gold glovers playing in the infield. You're the same damn guy, but it's different. And so for Brock Purdy, I, I always love these people on Twitter who will be like, well, you know, if he was on another team, yeah, well, he's not. He's not on another team. So his career is what it is, and to this point, it's been a great story. He's done a nice job. And the Niners right now, I mean, look, I don't want to get into the whole, like, who's the best team in football? Because, like, it's it's five weeks in, and it's irrelevant, and it doesn't matter. Because come January, it's going to look different, as it always does. But right now, they're playing top-of-the-line football. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And I know we got to do a podcast. we got to, we got to write stories. So we need to kind of get into some debates here and there. But, you know, you're right. It's only five weeks in, and... You know, maybe going a little bit about the Cowboys. Like I, I, I was writing that game. I was I wrote about that game and I was watching it. And, and Chris Collins was like, "Okay, this is Dak's moment." I'm like, "It's the second quarter of Week Five, but no I one's get, gonna remember this." Game, yeah, I know, but I, I get it. You know, they they haven't beat the 49ers, so mentally, maybe you, you got to do something there. So, uh, you know, we're all we're all loving the 49ers, and and, and it's tough because like we we do all these rankings. Like one week could be the Bills, and we saw what happened to the Bills, or it could be the Chiefs, or. Or, or the Cowboys jumping out to four to zero, and here we are. I think we all should have just said it's the freaking 49ers to start off with, but we'll find out eventually. And, and you're right; it's like, uh, you know, I know you just gave out a, a, a baseball analogy, and so I'll give one out too. It's like, like the Dodgers won 100 games, but we all know like they don't have any pitching. So what will you do come playoff time? And look at them; they're going about to lose to the Diamondbacks in the National League divisional divisional series. So like the 49ers go and they cruise, and they don't have that 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 feeling of, okay, what did we do when we're behind? That could be something there, but I, I, it's such a long season. I think it will come, but that's how good that, that, that the 49ers are. We're, we're nitpicking for something. Okay, they haven't fell behind yet. What can you do? And it's, you know, that, it just shows how dominant they've been for the first five games. So let, let's touch on Dallas real quick because, you know, I wanted to talk about them. Like the three and two, okay, they've beaten the Patriots, the Jets, and the Giants. Not exactly murder's row. They lost to the Cardinals. They got crushed by the Niners. They looked awful against the Niners. Now it's one game. And as you point out, and look, it's part of our job to both analyze it but also be smart about it. Like, the reality is, listen, whether they lose 42-10 to 10 or 20-19, to 19, like, they're 3-2. And, and 
they obviously have a long way to go to beat San Francisco, but luckily for them, they have a long way to go. There's 12 games left in the season. Um, we saw them play in the playoffs in that building last year, and that was a tight game. Like Dallas was in that game all the way through. Should we be concerned about the Cowboys season? I mean, they sit 3-2. and two. Coming up, they got a Monday night game in L.A. We're going to get to that. against the Chargers, I might add, uh, before having a bye week. Should we be concerned about them, or do we feel fine about Dallas despite a big loss? Yeah, you know, before I give you the whole, you know, they can't beat the 49ers, you know, storyline there, they have bigger problems currently, the, the Cowboys. Like, the injuries are piling up. Like, with the start with the Trevon Diggs there, and they're losing more guys defensively. I feel like every offensive lineman is getting hurt every single week, and they can't get a rhythm there. And then the bigger problem now, the offense is, isn't in sync. Like, when you're playing a a, a, a big-time showdown with, with the 49ers, you want your star players to ball out. Where was CeeDee Lamb? Where was Tony Pollard? These guys, they didn't really do much. And obviously, Dak Prescott had the three interceptions, but maybe this Mike McCarthy calling plays offensively is not working. And then your your bread and butter defensively, you're losing guys and you're not and you can't lean on that dominant defense. That's kind of what happened in the first two games, I guess the New York teams, right, Matt? Where like they jump out to big leads and okay, lean on the defense and we'll be okay. But this 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 Cowboys offense hasn't been clicking. So that is very concerning to me. Now on the 49ers front, like you know, let's just be real. You you can't beat that team. You don't even know how to do it. It's been a long time since you've beaten the Cowboys, but you can't play those mental games because you don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs. It's like the Eagles had to play Daniel Jones and a one-arm Brock Purdy to go to the Super Bowl. Like, you, you don't know seedings. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know injuries. So I think from that front, like, they shouldn't dwell too much on the beatdown, but they have bigger problems currently, starting with CeeDee Lamb already getting annoyed with the touches. Yeah, I mean, I, I would argue uh, that First of all, I, I agree for the most part. Listen, their defense, Diggs is a big loss. Now Leighton Van Der Esch is hurt. Like, that is starting to become an issue. They were torched. The other, But the bigger problem I have right now, and I don't want to be the guy who just makes it about the quarterback because there's other things going on. But, like, Dak can't play like that in these games. He just can't. You're not winning these games with him throwing just helium ball after helium ball downfield and getting picked off three times. It could have been worse than that. And it wasn't just him. They fumbled the ball deep in their own territory, and they actually got it back, um, you know, on a McCaffrey fumble. But, like, if you're going to play the 49ers, whether you're Dallas or anybody else, you're going to have to play damn near perfect. And that's the truth when you play Philly or Kansas City or when Cincinnati's right. Like, when you play teams like that, you can't turn the ball for four times. You're losing. You're going home. You're getting killed. Okay? Like, that's my problem with Dallas in this game was Dak has to be able – like if they the, the basic premise for the Cowboys, they play the 49ers in the playoffs. If Dak doesn't outplay Brock Purdy, they're losing. Period. End of story. Dak has to be significantly better than Brock Purdy to give them a shot in the game. If he can't do that, it's over. They're not beating them. And so that's, that's my worry about Dak is sometimes in these games – and I've always been a defender of Dak. I've always said I think he's a top ten quarterback, and I'm and I'm not backing off that. But he, he like when they play the Eagles, so they come out of the bye, they play the Rams, uh, and then they play at Philly. Okay, you can't play like that. You've got to be the the driver of the bus. You can't be a passenger. And I do put a little bit on McCarthy too. Like at some point, man, you're not going 15 plays against the Niners. You're not. So load up the wagon and throw the ball down the field. You know, I think sometimes, like, I remember Philly last year in the answer title game. Now, I, I get Purdy got hurt and the whole game went to hell. I, I understand that. But before he got hurt, if you remember, the first drive of that game for Philadelphia, they had a fourth and one, and Hurts threw it deep down the field to Devonta Smith. And he, you know, he, he caught it but didn't catch it, but they didn't overrule it, you know. But Philadelphia understood, like, even as great as they are, trying to go, you know, 12, 15 plays against San Francisco is probably going to happen. We have to take shots down the field and stretch them and Dallas took like two shots early, and then that was it. And they started running the ball, like no chance. So, look, I think Dallas will be a playoff team, but Dallas has a long way to go um, before they're a, a championship contender, despite my pick of them to come out of the NFC, which is looking worse by the minute. <laughs> uh, I knew I would regret it. It's my own fault. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Bills, they go to London, 3-1 and one off a huge one over Miami. And as is usually the case in the NFL, just when you think somebody's really rolling, the, the comeuppance is right around the corner. It turns out it was. The Bills played, I think it's fair to say, a subpar game. Um, the, the offense was in a malaise. They didn't score into double digits until very late. They took a bunch of penalties. I mean, everybody took penalties in that game. I, I don't think I've ever seen that many flags in my life. Uh, Buffalo was flagged 11 times for 109 yards and a couple of turnovers. Um, is this the same old Bills to you? Um, or, you know, a team that's explosive but loses games it shouldn't? Um and I also might add, unfortunately, the worst part of that game was the injuries. They lost Matt Milano and Daquan Jones for the year. So is this a team that you think is in trouble? Uh, or is it a team that just will happen to lose a game in London? Yeah, you know, everything you laid out, you know, that's why I'm conflicted. It's like we've seen this movie before where they, they have dominant wins, they stack wins, and they'll get to the playoffs, but they're always going to have like two or three games where like, okay, they were really bad. And that's why they're a team we can't trust in the playoffs because, you know, they always find a way to – you know, to be inconsistent, and you always see Stefan Diggs frustrated for something, and it feels like that. You know, before I get to the injuries, I kind of want to give them, you know, some slack here because I guess it is going to London. The Jaguars were already in a groove from playing in London a week before. It's kind of like a home game, and the Jaguars, like they're they're a good team. They've been sleepwalking for the first month, but they're a good team. So I, I kind of want to just say, all right, they they had to go to London. They lost a good team. Let's move on. They're gonna be in the playoffs and. I'm still going to call it. I think they're going to win the AFC East. I think they still match up better when they play the Dolphins. So I'm not too worried about that. But, you know, maybe I shouldn't say that because the butt is the injuries. Matt Milano does so much for that defense. Daquan Jones also on IR. So it was a bunch of injuries after injuries. I'm like, what's going on here in London for for the Bills? So, uh, you know, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt because they usually, they, they always have injuries. They find a way to do it. I think last year, Von Miller got hurt. And then, you know, obviously they're okay, but they weren't the same team. They made the playoffs. So I think they'll be fine to do enough. And maybe they'll play the, when they play the Dolphins again, I think in week eight, week 18, maybe the division titles on the line. Yeah. I think they'll be fine by then. But I, I kind of want to go back to saying, I still don't trust this team in the playoffs. And they kind of show me a little bit of that. I'm not giving you an answer here, Matt, but I want to give them some kind of slack for the London trip. Well, I'll give an answer. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll handle this. One. Listen, <laughs> I, 
I think they're exactly who they've been for years. Mm -hmm. And now they have injuries that I'm going to be blunt. I don't think they're overcoming these injuries because Milano is the best player on that team, not named Josh Allen. I, I even I even think he's better than Diggs, and I and I think Diggs is incredible. I would say that Matt Milano, other than Fred Warner, might be the best linebacker in the NFL. And to not have that guy in the middle, plus you lose Daquan Jones, who's played at a Pro Bowl level this year, and you're losing Tre'Davious White. I mean that that is a lot. And normally you'd go well, Kyrie Elam can step in. Kyrie Elam has been inactive a lot of these games this year. I mean they don't even play him. First round pick of a year ago. And then they played him this year or this week against Calvin Ridley. And Calvin Ridley just lit him up over and over and over. I don't care if they signed Josh Norman. That's not doing it. Like I my pro here's here's the good news for your Bills fan. Good news is you have a great quarterback. And as great as the AFC was promised to be, I don't know that it's that great. I mean, you look at the AFC. Okay, you've got Kansas City and you've got Miami. Who else? I mean, Buffalo is the team that I. To be fair to Buffalo, I wouldn't put anybody else ahead of them. I would put Kansas City ahead of them. I think Miami, even though they beat them because of all the injuries, long term, I would put Miami ahead of them. Um, although I agree with you, head to head, Miami has all kinds of problems with them. The problem I have with Buffalo is when you lose games like this, especially that Jets game. But then also, like, like look, this Jacksonville. I agree that Jacksonville is a good team, but it's a game you had every opportunity in the world to win. You can't win it. The problem is it leads to them not getting a one seed. It leads to them being a two seed or a three seed or maybe a five seed. And now you have to go on the road and play all these teams. You've got to play an extra game. And let's just say it's Kansas City. Kansas City then gets a bye, and they're sitting at home waiting for you. It makes it a hell of a lot tougher. And so, look, I, I think I think Buffalo's a very good team. But I also think Buffalo has the same issues. They play these games where they're knockout. They're, they're, you know, Colin Coward, give him credit. Uh, on this, I think it's a perfect analogy. He always says it about him. They're like Mike Tyson. They can just knock you out in 15 seconds. Man, they have so much firepower at times. And other times, you're like, are they okay? Are they awake for this fight? Like, what is happening? And that's where I come down on the Bills. The Bills just have too many of these games where they should win or they can win. And, you know, for the people who say, well, everybody has a bad game. That's true. But you look at these other teams, you know, a lot of times maybe they don't play great, but they find a way to win. Like, for example, Philadelphia didn't play well against the Commanders a couple weeks ago, but they won. Found a way to win the game. Kansas City did not play well against the Jets. Mahomes was awful, but they won. They found a way to win the game. Buffalo has this tendency to not find a way to win those games, and it hurts you in the, in the long run because of the seeding. Yeah. You know, I think that the point you made about the AFC not being as good as we all thought they were going to be, I think that helps out. Maybe, you know, you stack enough wins and, and you do have that one head-to-head tiebreaker with the Dolphins, but you do play them again. But right. if you go, if you get into that, you get that 5C, okay. You know, but you you never know. Maybe this Bills team has had, what, you know, higher seeds before. I don't think, maybe, I forget, maybe a 1C or maybe never They had haven't one. had a 1C okay. since 1993. Okay, so they've been, you know, like a 2 or 3. So maybe the 5C, right. yeah, maybe the 5C is what they need to finally get over the hump. So, you know, you just, you just never know. And, it, it, again, it's so early. Like, you can even, you know, point out to a bunch of sluggish games for the Chiefs. And, and the Dolphins, the defense I'm still concerned about. Maybe they'll get Jalen no Ramsey back and they'll be okay. But, you're right. The, the Matt Milano injury and Daquan Jones injury, those are going to hurt. But you know, I feel like they're going to they're do enough to to stack wins, and we'll see how they play down down the road. But you got the Giants coming up, and that's going to make you feel good. And we'll see how that will make you after, feel good. So after the, that's we'll see how they do. They do. That, that's going to make them four and two. Um, that's the kind of game Buffalo's going to win forty five three on national television. Everybody's going to go, oh Buffalo, and then and then like the next game they'll they'll score ten points. Um, all right. Last thing before we get into one quick segment, and then we'll do the week six lines. Is it uh, is it time for a fire sale in Denver? And, and I'll even throw Minnesota in there as well. Now that the Justin Jefferson injury has is, is been revealed to be pretty significant, both teams are one and four. Uh, Minnesota is three back in the division, as is Denver in their division. The Broncos' next four games are Kansas City, Green Bay, Kansas City, Buffalo, and Minnesota does not have uh, Justin Jefferson for at least a month. Cousins has just this year remaining on his deal, uh, and then he's slated to be a free agent. Would you have a fire sale, and do you expect a fire sale in either two of those cities? Yeah, uh, I think so for both. And you know, I'll start with, with the Vikings because I think they've been operating like they they want to they want to rebuild, but they're kind of like okay, 
we did make the playoffs a year ago. Maybe we shouldn't do a full re- rebuild, but we'll, we'll let right. go of all these old guys and, and, and make sure the cap space is right for 2024. But then, you know, you brought in like a Marcus Davenport and a Byron Murphy, and, and Byron Murphy hasn't really worked out for the second they're here. But they were spending like they wanted to try to win, but they weren't sure. Now you're convinced, okay, do the fire sale, trade people. Maybe you can get rid of some of those contracts that you spent this offseason and just go into a full rebuild. And, and one of the, the biggest mistakes, I think, Matt, for, for the Vikings, like, how could you not resign Justin Jefferson before the season? Like, now yeah, you, have to wor- you, you have to worry about that now. And it's like, he's your best player. Like, he's the one guy from those two teams we just mentioned. You do not trade at all. You you work no out a deal, and, and, and you're fine. So, you know, they, they messed that up, but I think they should do it. And maybe for Kirk Cousins, if you're like, okay, I don't have a, a contract after this year. Maybe I want to go play for a good team and showcase myself and get another long-term contract. So I think he has a no-trade clause. Go ahead and tell him, hey, get me out of here. I want to go play and ball out and shine. And and I'll be and I'll I'll be quick with the Broncos here, but yeah, maybe a long time ago you should have done the fire sale. They started with Randy Gregory. I think they traded him to Fort Niners. Yeah, Fort Niners. So they've been mo- doing moves there. So I'm, Matt, maybe tell me if I'm wrong here, but I've gotten to a point where like anybody on that roster, call me up. I'm gonna trade that guy. Patrick Sertan is one of those guys because this defense has just been terrible. And I don't know if Sean Payton's your guy to do a full rebuild and and lead the charge because. It hasn't gone well, but he is a Super Bowl winning coach. I get that. He did, did a lot of good things in New Orleans, but I think it might be time for a full, complete, hundred percent reset in Denver, Minnesota. Just keep Justin Jefferson. Yeah, so I'm I agree with you that it's time for a fire shot, but I'll say this: I think they, they would look wildly different. So in Minnesota, Daniel Hunter. I mean, just listen, get the best offer you can, and he's going to be a free agent after this year. They packed more money into his deal this year to make him happy. Trade him. Just trade him. Move on. He is he is at this point in his time in his career, he's twenty nine years old. Like he's he's not going to be there when you're good. So just trade him. KJ Osborne, if they can get a decent pick for him, I mean you're not going to get like a first or second, but even if you can get a mid round pick, I'd do it. Um, I would trade anybody not named Justin Jefferson or or uh, Addison Jordan Addison. That's it. I trade everybody else on the team. I mean, I, you know what? I shouldn't say. It. I, I'm sorry. The tackles the tackles are are very good players. You know, Neil and Darashaw and Darashaw. He's 24 years old. I would not trade Christian Darashaw. Um, that's it. I trade everybody else. And then, but see, Denver to me is different because Minnesota had success last year, and Minnesota has a young head coach. You would think is going to be there for a while. Denver has Sean Payton, who is not attached to any of these guys, and who is not going to sit there and take the blame for this season. It's not. It's not going to happen. They cannot trade Russell Wilson because no one's going to take on that money and the dead money and everything else. I truly believe they got three games left for a deadline, two against the Chiefs. They lose those two games, even if they beat Green Bay. They're two and six. We might see a fire sale like we have never seen before in the NFL. Like I, I think Simmons, Judy, Sutton, Javante Williams, you name it. I even think Sertan's on the block if they could get two first for him. I think that's what it would take. But if some team called them up, let's say Buffalo did it. Hey, we lost Travis White. We'll give you we'll give you two firsts for Sertan. I think Denver would do it. I think that team is going to solve everybody. And frankly, I think they probably they probably should. I mean, they they need to gut that team in the worst way. And I think this is the opportunity to do it. Yeah, no, I even like the trade scenarios you're giving out. Like, a lot of these teams, like, I know the Chiefs, you know, can't really trade with the Broncos because the AFC West, we've seen it before. Right. But they need a wide receiver. I mean, Jerry Judy would be nice. And I think the Chargers need a wide receiver, too, after losing Mike Williams. So, yeah, if you're a team that, you know, could be a playoff team or a contender and you're hurting at a spot or there's an injury there, yeah, go and call up the, the Broncos because every, everything you just laid out there uh, in Denver. And, and, yeah, Patrick Sertan, like, it's tough to judge them because – defense is such a collective unit you you can't really like shine by yourself especially at cornerback but right. you know, he hasn't been doing well but i bet the second he gets out of there if he does he'll ball out and play like a good cornerback like he does oh uh, i mean he's he's phenomenal but they as a team i mean they can't get any pressure nobody else can cover i mean it's just again if i'm denver i mean I, bro i'm serious everybody everybody like anybody who's available i think who do you want Let's talk about him. I it would I would be I would stick a for sale sign the size of the Goodyear blimp in front of the uh, in front of the stadium. Okay, I, it's they're they're in the worst position in the NFL right now. Plus, by the way, if you sell off everybody, if you trade off all these guys, 
and you get you have two things to come back to. Obviously, you get picks, okay, and you get future cap space. You also are going to suck the whole rest of the year. And maybe hey. you could draft Caleb Williams. Maybe yeah. you could yeah. draft Drake May. Because I got to tell you, if you're Denver, the worst case scenario, and this is by the way, it was also true for the Giants, for the Patriots, the worst case scenario is you go like 5 and 12. And you miss on all these quarterbacks, and you end up having to take like a right tackle. All right. I don't care if that right tackle ends up being John Hanna. I don't care. Like, that's a disaster for all these teams. Which is why I honestly wouldn't be surprised at the trade deadline if we see a ton of action this year. Because some of these teams are just going to start selling off parts like nobody's business to try to act, to try to just lose. I mean, I think that is completely plausible. Now, the Panthers, it's funny. like They may not because what the hell, they don't have their own pick. But all the rest of these teams, oh my God, I'd get rid of everybody. I'd get rid of everybody if I thought I had a shot at one of these quarterbacks. So I, I think we might see a huge uh, fire sale in uh, more than a few places. A quick thing, Matt. I, I wonder if there's any any kind of scenario where the Broncos could get rid of Russell Wilson's contract. Like, hey, you want Patrick Sertan? You know, just give us one first-round pick, but also take the contract of Russell Wilson. That would be interesting. You but know what? It, it, it's I'll hard to do. <laughs> so if they traded Russell Wilson, the team that would be acquiring him would have a base salary to pay him next year. Of seventeen million, which you could, actually, you could live with that, that'd be okay. fine. Okay. Then it's thirty-seven, forty, forty-five, and fifty. But you're, but, but you're not going to pay a lot of those years anyway because you know the, the money runs out. If Denver were to trade him, uh, they they would eat quite a bit of dead money, but they would save eight million bucks this year, prorated in seventeen next year, and so on and so forth. So the the problem is, I mean, he's played a lot better this year, but like. Who's lining up for that contract? Yeah. You know, who's like, yeah, that sounds great at uh, 35 years old. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's quickly run through contender and pretender here. I, I just put down five teams. We don't have to go deep into it. We can just kind of hit on these and then revisit down the line. Um, first of the five, didn't play this past weekend, had a bye. Chargers, do you think they're – and by the way, to clarify, contender, pretender means like, do you think you could see this run team making a run 
toward the Super Bowl. Not like they can get to the wild card round and get blasted. Um, so the Chargers, number one, I know you uh, you have covered them. You've seen them up close for many years. What do you think about them? Yeah, you know, I, I do like that they're two and two. They, you know, they won the last two games. They're they're in a bye week, but you know, I still have a lot of concerns about their defense. Can can they actually turn around and, and not just be this bend don't break and get a couple of turnovers and and you're okay. You're a lucky team. I got to see more from this defense. Derwin James are probably going to come back this week, so uh, I got to see more. So right now, I'm going to call them pretenders. Yeah, I mean, I, I just had to look at a picture of Brendan Staley, and they're pretenders. I <laughs> I can't get past it. I just can't. I. Every time I see Brandon Staley faced with a decision, I know immediately that I'm going the other direction. Uh, so give me pretenders. I think they are a playoff team. I do not think they're more than that. All right. This team, I think I know where we're both going, but they are winning their division right now. So I throw them on there. The Pittsburgh Steelers, who are 3-2, and two, very good defensively. Offensively, shall we say, a challenge. Uh, but they won against Baltimore, mostly because Baltimore dropped 77 passes in the game. Uh, do you see them as being able to pull it together on offense and become some kind of a, a dark horse contender, or do you not see that at all? Uh, unless they have a bunch of plays where they just, hey, throw it up YOLO style to George Pickens every single play, then maybe they have a chance. But I don't think they're going to do that. And who knows if Matt Canada even called the play for uh, Pickett to Pickens. So <laughs> there's controversy there. Uh, but I'll keep it quick. Pretenders for the Steelers for sure. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I just can't get behind. Pick, Pickett is, is not, he's not good. I don't know like how much more we need to see this. I watched that whole Ravens Steelers game and I've had dentist appointments that were that were more pleasant. <laughs> I mean, it was just he was so bad that entire game. So bad. And I'll give it to him. I even used it in my all twenty two breakdown that I did on Wednesday. Like he made a great throw to Pickens. I mean, that was a one on one and Pickens won on Marlon Humphrey and Pickett threw a perfect ball to him. I'll give him that. But man, other than that, woof. That was rough. Uh Maybe they sneak in as a wild card team, but yeah, that's it. All right, this one I'm really interested in, actually. The Lions, 4-1, and one, only lost to Seattle this year, and they've, they've dominated. They dominated Green Bay. They dominated Carolina. They went to Arrowhead. I know that game was a little weird, but they found a way. They won that game. Um, give them all the credit. The only Chiefs uh, lost this year. Do you see them as a contender in an NFC that I think a lot of people view as a two-horse race? Yeah, I'm very impressed with the Detroit Lions, and, and I'll say for sure, contenders. You know, my and, and I'm a little hesitant because the the week two loss to the Seahawks, and I'm like, do do I see the Seahawks better than the Lions? And and it's like it was one of those early matches. Okay, maybe I just caught them at the right time. And I, I, you know, but I'm just gonna say I think the Lions are better than the Seahawks. I, I'm, I'm really impressed with the Lions. They could win them in multiple ways. You know, passing the ball down the field, running the football with Dave Montgomery, and the defense has been pretty good too. So. Uh, I think eventually, you know, come December, I think we might be the Lions as good as maybe not as good, but on the close to that that higher level of the 49ers and the Eagles and the NFC to be maybe the third team. I agree. Um, I'll tell you what I like about the Lions, and, I, and I, I'm with you on this. We're three for three. I go contender as well. I, I would say this. The one thing about them that I'd give them a shot in any playoff game, they're great up front. And when you're great up front in cold weather and that time of year, like it's that matters. That matters all, all year long, but it really matters then. Detroit has a top five offensive line and defensively up front, man. Aline McNeil is a damn good D tackle and Aiden Hutchinson is a beast. I mean, there, there are a few guys who are better than Aiden Hutchinson. Can you imagine Jacksonville taking him over Trayvon Walker? Yeah. But they didn't. So uh, good for Detroit getting the hometown kid. Listen, Detroit doesn't have the full roster that Philly has, that San Francisco has, but man, they, they can play in the trenches and Goff, for all of his shortcomings like he's won playoff games he's been there he's won these games and he's played well in some of these games so i think you've got to put detroit in that mix and their coaching is really good you know ben johnson's a great oc give aaron glenn credit as a dc and campbell's done the job man i mean i i, I get it wrong all the time I and mean, that's part of this but i i remember when he got hired when campbell got hired and he did this whole like biting kneecaps thing and i wrote in my column at the time like this guy's gonna be a good coach because the players are going to love this guy. Like, he's – now, I listen, he could end up being a guy who players liked and he's a complete dope and I would have been wrong. As it turns out, like, it's it's gone well. So, um, listen, kudos to him. Kudos to the Lions. They play the Raiders in a couple of weeks at home on a Monday night. And I'm thinking about just, just driving up and, and covering that game if, uh, if SI will let me do it. Because I, I got to tell you, I've never been to Ford Field and I, I never want to go to Ford Field. <laughs> like, who wants to watch this team? I kind of want to watch this team, right? So, uh, 
You know, I, I, I think they're contenders all the way. I, I agree. All right. Uh, the team that, that beat them, let's just skip right over here. The team that beat them, the Seahawks, 3-1, and one, coming off of a by going to Cincinnati this weekend for a game that's very important for both teams, certainly for Cincinnati. Um, well, last time we saw Seattle, they sacked Daniel Jones roughly 58 times. Do you believe in Seattle as a contender, or do you still have reservations about him? Uh, yeah, I, I'm. I'm going to give you like a, a curveball, but yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with pretender for right now. I don't. It, it's tough for me to say that. I think they're very explosive offensively. I think the Geno Smith, Smith that we saw a year ago is, is still that guy, but we haven't seen the full extent. Like where has Jackson Smith and Jigba been? And, and, and I mean, even maybe even Tyler Lockett to an extent. Like it feels like they could do so much more. We haven't seen it. I like Kenneth Walker being used a lot. I'm sure uh, Pete Carroll, who loves to run the football, is enjoying that. But what about the rookies? Zach Charbonnet, you know, they have some injuries on the offensive line. And then defensively, they still struggle stopping stopping the run. Like you talk about the Detroit Lions. Like the trenches is not a big thing for them, so that could be an issue. So they beat the, they beat Detroit in week two, I think, in Detroit. So that's a big signature win for them. But I'm a little hesitant, so I'm going to go pretender for right now. You know what? I'm actually going to go uh, contender. I think, look, in the NFC, we know they're the two big dogs. But I look at Detroit, Seattle, and Dallas on that same second tier. I look at all those teams as teams that could they get blown out in a playoff game by one, by Philly or San Francisco? Yes. Would I be totally shocked if it's 2020 with five minutes left? In one? No, I wouldn't be. Like, I think, you know, one thing about Seattle, man, they have drafted their asses off these last couple of years. I mean, they got, you know, that kid, Devon Witherspoon, that kid can play. Yeah. Like, and you put him with Reek Woolen in the secondary, and you look at, you got Metcalf and Lockett, and I think Smith and Jigbo will eventually get there, but you're right, slow start. You've got Kenneth Walker and Charbonneau. I mean, that team, you got guys on that team. Like, you got real guys. And defensively, they can get after you up front. They got a lot of guys up front. Draymond Jones, Daryl Taylor, among others. Uh, Nwosu, who I always thought was on the radio with the Chargers. Good player in Seattle. Um, I love what they're doing. I love what they're doing. So, uh, I don't think it's fair to say anybody's on the level in the NFC of Philly and San Francisco. But I do think that Detroit, Seattle, Dallas, put them all in the same tier for me. And then lastly... Uh, the Saints, who just blew out New England 34 to nothing. We probably, at some point, we're going to have to talk about New England. We just didn't have enough time today. Uh, 34 to nothing up in Foxborough. They now have three wins. Uh, do you think the Saints, I mean, right now, I don't think it's fair to say they're a contender because they just haven't done enough. But do you think with the defense they have, with Carr, maybe it gets better? Do you think they rounded the form into being a contender or do you think they're too limited? Uh, it, it's tough to say, you know. Obviously, obviously like the answer is pretenders because we finally saw one game where the offense is actually doing its part, and I've been impressed with that defense all year. And and, and it's t- it's tough to highlight the Saints when they're winning like maybe twelve nine or they're losing to the Buccaneers. So I, I haven't really found time to kind of like give them their their due until this past week they beat down the Patriots thirty four to zero, and I think Derek Carr having his first touchdown on Chris Olave was good. Seeing Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, the, the old-timers now, which just makes me feel old because I feel like they're still young players, are, are doing their thing still. So I think they have pieces there, but I don't see it rounding out to a form where, like, okay, that's a contender for sure. I'm not even sure I could say about anybody in the NFC South. So, like, if you're the Seahawks and you end up with the 5C, you'll probably beat the 4C NFC South team. So that's good there, too, But for, the, for Seattle. But I'm going to go pretender. I think overall, I, I don't think that they're going to have enough to change it around uh, with the New Orleans Saints. But I do like that defense a lot. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I'll just – I like what you said, essentially. I just think – I don't trust Dennis Allen and Derek Carr to uh, to be contenders in a conference that, that I think there are at least four to five teams that are better than them. So I'm with you there. All right. Week six. Let's get into the five best games, or at least in my opinion, the five best games. Um we have lines, of course, from SISportsbook.com. Make sure you get all your betting needs from SI Sportsbook that are far more expansive than just the NFL, but that's what we're sticking with here. Um, all right. Last of the trilogy here in London to uh, lead us off. Ravens technically at Titans, although, again, of course, neutral site over in England. The Ravens are laying four and a half. That line has grown over the course of the week. It was three and a half earlier. Uh, who do you like in uh, in a matchup of, of teams that are both uh, sitting here trying to get on track after, after losses a week ago? Yeah, both very inconsistent teams, and, and I think the, the Tennessee Times are a little more inconsistent. But I think if you're Baltimore, you're asking yourself, like, how the heck did we lose that game to the Steelers? You know, I, you know, I know that what the, it was like ten three at one point in the fourth quarter, ten five with the with the block block. It dropped like thing. ten passes. Yeah, so 
I think you go back to that and it's like, okay, you just catch the freaking ball. You're going to, you're going to beat the Steelers. I think the Ravens have enough to beat the Titans, you know, with Lamar Jackson, but it's just like, you know, it's tough seeing this offense play because like you don't see Beckham do much, doing much. You don't see Rashad Bateman. They're they're missing J.K. Dobbins. You have this new offensive scheme, and it feels like people are getting impatient with the new scheme. So I'm very curious to see how they play after a bad loss like that, where they should have won. I think they'll get it done, but I want to see can you be impressive doing it uh, offensively. Yeah, I like Baltimore in the game. Look, Baltimore could be five and zero. Now, you know, they're not. It is what it is. But, I mean, they, they have lost two games this year to the Colts and the Steelers. You look at it and go, like, how, what, what happened? How, how did you manage to lose that football game? Now, maybe that's also a knock on Baltimore. You know, they, they've got to do a better job there. But I like them in this game. Look, the problem with Tennessee is Tennessee just is so one-dimensional. And realistically speaking, I love the defense, uh, especially the front for Tennessee. But, like, I don't know that it's enough in this game. I don't think they're going to bully Baltimore. Baltimore also is a team that typically is pretty tough in the trenches. So, I like Baltimore to win. I think it is a relatively close game. I'll take Baltimore to cover slightly. Um, but I think I think the Ravens do, in the end, find a way to get it done. All right, another game here. Colts at Jags. Jags are laying four and a half, coming home after two weeks over in England. One and both, three and two. Colts, three and two. This is a battle for first place in the AFC South. Of course, Gordon Minshew playing his old team uh, with Anthony Richardson going on IR. So, uh, do you like the Jags to uh, to win and cover against uh, the, the divisional rivals here at, uh, at, at TIAA Bankfield? Yeah, yeah. Good job on, on the stadium. I always forget what to call it. That was but... I, I almost <laughs> called it Everbank. That's why there, there was a slight pause there. <laughs> uh, in Spanish, you could call it Tia, which is aunt uh, in Spanish. But that's what I that's the way I read it for for the the stadium with the Jaguars. But to answer your question, uh, I will go Jacksonville, but I don't think they're going to cover the spread. I think I think the Colts will make it a good fight there, and they and and I've been impressed with the way you know they've handled losing Anthony Richardson to go to Gardner Minshew and shout out to Gardner Minshew because you know we've done backup quarterback rankings like if we do it again for sure number one backup quarterback in the league. Uh, he's playing so well where I'm 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 even thinking like is he better than some starters? And I think he has a good case for that too. Uh, but that's a story for another day. You know my point is the Colts are going to make it interesting. They're very good uh, on, on on the defensive front too to maybe you know throw off uh, Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley and Travis Etienne. So they have enough defensively. And the biggest thing for the Colts team, you know, maybe I should pick them, but I'm not because you know, they're in Jacksonville. But I really like that two-headed monster in the backfield. Like once Taylor gets going, like do not give up on Zach Moss. Don't just don't just feed Jonathan Taylor. I know he just got paid, and it kind of it kind of tells you like maybe you don't have to pay pay a running back because Zach Moss just went off on whatever contract he's on right now. But Two-headed monster in the backfield. You have some weapons, you know, targets, but not too much. But it'll be close. I I do like Jacksonville waking up in London. I think they're going to, you know, keep that momentum. Should be a fun game. I think it'll be close, but give me Jacksonville to pull it out of home. Yeah, you know what? We're in lockstep on this one. If for no other reason, I I agree that I think it's going to be one of these deals where uh, if you're Jacksonville – you gotta you gotta win this game. You're at home. If you're the Colts, it's a game you'd like to win, but you could also always, you know, say, hey, listen, you know what? It's a it's a game that we're not expected to win. Now maybe that helps. Maybe you play a little looser, maybe you're a little more aggressive. But Jacksonville lost in its last home game against a divisional opponent against Houston. Of course, these teams start to the week one. It was close. Jacksonville's even trailing in the fourth quarter. They found a way to win. Uh I am with you. I like Jacksonville to win. I like Indy to cover. Um we will see. But I, I think Jacksonville's kind of found itself a little bit here. Third game, I think it might be the most intriguing game of Sunday. Uh, Seahawks at Bengals. The Bengals are laying two and a half here. Uh, Seahawks off the bye. Bengals off their win over Arizona. Do you believe in the Bengals? Do you think they're back? Or do you like Seattle off the rest? Man, uh, last week, all these upset wins re- really kind of changed their narrative, right? Or you're thinking. It's like the, the Jaguars beat the Bills. Okay, the Jaguars back. And then Joe Burrow, suddenly his calf is fine, and he does well against the Cardinals. And it's kind of like, Man, you would ask me uh, who to pick like two weeks ago. I'm definitely going to go Seattle, but I like what I saw from Joe Burrow. I have confidence in the Bengals now. Yeah, they don't have T. Higgins, but seeing Joe Burrow just you know move around the pocket, show some mobility, and then even take off for, for, for 10 yards and get a first down, and then 7-11, Jamar Chase finally getting the ball. I think they'll get going here. You know, I'm still unsure about that Seattle de- the Seattle defense. Like It's going to be a fun game. It's probably going to be a shootout, so I'm really enjoying this game. Uh, so give me the Bengals to carry momentum i'm still unsure even if they win this game man like like they still got to play the bills of 49ers like i think the the hole to climb out of is gonna be difficult 
but they're probably in a, in a they're in a winnable division, the AFC North. So get a big time victory against the Seahawks, and who knows what's going to happen with these Bengals because Joe Burrow's playing well from that one game. I like shallow in this game. I uh, I'm not into the hype train with the Bengals. Like I, I get they won the game. They were up 24 to 20 in the fourth quarter, and the Cardinals were inside Cincinnati's 25-yard line. And, and look, Bengals give them credit. They made a stop in fourth and one. They get the ball. They score. They also had a, a, a pick six of Dobbs at the end of the first half. It was one of the worst plays you'll ever see in your life. Like the, the, the Cardinals are up four with the ball at the end of the halftime. Burrow played better, but man, I, I, it, it took four. It took three and a half quarters to put away Arizona. I have concerns. Uh, Seattle off a of bye to me. Give me Seattle. And by the way, these these teams know each other because you have Taylor who came from the McVeigh tree, and you also have Shane Waldron, the offensive coordinator for Seattle, that comes from the McVeigh tree. So these teams, there's more familiarity here than you'd think. Uh, I like Seattle, man. I think Seattle is going to go in there and win this game. I, I think it's a very good game, but I like the Seahawks, and, and I also think their pass rush is no joke. Ask the Giants. Um, I think they could put Burrow in a blunder a little bit. So we will see. I'm looking forward to seeing how how that shakes. I do think it's a great game. In the NFC, an old NFC Central matchup that's no more. Uh, The Lions at the Bucs. Detroit laying three and a half. The Buccaneers, should be noted, might affect your pick. They're in the cream skulls this week. So uh, do you you like Motown to uh, to get the five and one, or do you think Tampa gets the four and one off the bye? Well, now I got to think about it. Those are some some pretty cool uh, uniforms there for Tampa Bay. Uh, but I, I really like the Detroit Lions this year, and you know they're, they're you know they're, they're winning the games they're supposed to win, and and they're doing it handily. Like they're beating every opponent by like 14, 17 points every single game. Like they easy work against the Carolina Panthers, and you know the Buccaneers. I'm not saying they're they're the Panthers, but I don't think they're in that class. Like if you would have asked me pretender contender, I probably would have said pretender for Tampa Bay. And but they are in a winnable division in the NFC South, so. Good defense to put up a fight. I like Baker Mayfield doing some good things. I don't know about Mike Evans' hamstring injury. If you don't have Mike Evans, you probably have no chance uh, hanging around with Detroit. So give me the Detroit Lions to beat uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah, look, again, I, you know, I, I'm with you here. I, I think that Detroit is the better team. Look, the one thing that scares me, too, are the Bucs. The Buccaneers have this tendency that they've had for a couple of years now where they just run the ball on first now, just slam it into the line. And it's like, guess what? Against Detroit, it's going to be second and nine. So have fun doing that. Um, I, I I love Detroit here. Uh, the Bucks coming off the bye, they're at home. I, I think they keep it a game. Uh, I don't think they get blown out. In fact, I, I'll even pick up the cover. But I like the Lions to win this football game. I think the Bucks get a backdoor cover. Maybe it's something like you know twenty three to twenty. Um, Detroit is good, man. Like Detroit, it's a weird thing to say because in our lifetime that has not been the case most of the time. But Detroit is just they're, they're good on both sides of the ball. I trust the coach. Uh, they're playing great football. All right, last game, Monday night. Cowboys, two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road at SoFi against the Chargers. Are you going to that game? Are you covering that game? Yeah, yeah, I'll be there Monday Monday night for that game. I would I would think that – I mean, you would know better than me, but what is that going to be, 80-20 Cowboy fans? Yeah. You know, I wonder how many Cowboy fans are, like, just, you know, devastated from last year. Like, oh, I would give up on them. Like – like I like when the Raiders came to SoFi, I expected more, but the Raiders were, have been so bad. I think they, they started selling off their tickets, so we'll see. But maybe like 70-30 uh, Cowboys. I, I got to tell you, I really like Dallas in this game. Like it, 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 This speaks to my theory on what we just talked about earlier with Buffalo. Like Whenever you see a team that it's like they're, they're unstoppable, no one can stop. Like, the, the, the horrific loss is right around the corner. It just is, 99% of the time. Percent of the time, if I could say that. Dallas is the team. Everybody and their mother is going to jump off the district. Oh, they, they, they look at how they lost. They stink. Blah blah blah. They, they'll they'll go out and score thirty five points this week. So I give me uh, give me Dallas in the uh, Kellen Moore Revenge Bowl. By the way, huh? Okay. Uh, yeah, I think Dallas will win the the war in the stands there. But I, I think the Chargers will pull it out. You know, coming off a of bye week and. Maybe you're right, Matt. Like I, I, I don't want to let one bad loss sway my thinking about the Cowboys, but I just, I just don't like a lot of their issues currently. So, long term, I'm worried about them playing the 49ers because they have no chance. But also in the short term, like they can't really figure it out offensively. And I think maybe this bye week, like you mentioned, Kellen Moore revenge game. It's not Nathaniel Hackett type of game here, but I think they'll get it done. And and and, and man, maybe this is my fault because you know I, I show too much faith in the Chargers to figure it out because they're just so talented. 
But this is a this is a very intriguing game. It's kind of like a crossroads game where like the loser, whoever loses, I might just say, get out of my life. I don't want to think about you guys anymore. So it's a big time game for these two teams when it comes to me. <laughs> hey, yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. It's, it's an interesting game. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Um, for sure, it's a, it's a game that whoever loses, it's going to be a five alarm fire. All right, what's going on in your life? What's happening? Yeah, uh, uh, Matt, I know I know. I usually complain about going out to events and leaving my house, but this this weekend I'm actually excited. We have some good plans. Uh, you know, me and my partner and, 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 all, and all our friends are getting together. We don't really do this often, but, you know, we're going to an Oktoberfest, you know, down in Orange County, and supposedly I've never been to this Oktoberfest. I've tried to go to a few, you know, once a year, and then I, I always come out leaving what, what I always say. Too many lines, too many people good beer but i got like two or three beers because the lines are so just outrageous but the one i'm going to in orange county suppose it's a pretty fun setting like you just sit down people are dancing you're kind of like part of the, every event and it just feels more like the like i've never been to germany but more like a german german kind of style where it's a, like it's a right. for sure festival and a party so uh hopefully i'm not getting my hopes up here and i'm disappointed we're like okay i got two beers because the lines were just outrageous so uh i'm just going for the environment and have a couple couple of you know, some tall cans of beers and uh, or what I guess the, the big the big mugs, as you could say. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. But I, I'm also wondering if I'm going to, like, leave disappointed. Well, hopefully it works out for you. I, uh, I've got to drive to Kansas City tomorrow because I'm taking Maisie, my oldest daughter, to her first NFL game. Last year, she promised, she made me promise that I would take her to a Chiefs game. And I said, okay, that's fine. And then she remembered and she remembered and remembered. And so by the time the season rolled around, she was like, all right, which game are we going to? I'm like, all right, well, it can't be a Sunday game. So uh, it's going to be Thursday night. Um, the old man and myself and, and Maisie are going to go um, sitting old school, like just like I would have as a kid, way up in the upper deck, up in the corner. Um, well, I, God knows I'm going to have to hold her up the whole game so she can see. That's fine. We'll do it. We'll tailgate. We'll do the whole thing. We'll do it right. Um, she's a huge Taylor Swift fan, so she's really hoping <laughs> Taylor Swift's in the building. We will see. But yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I'm really looking forward to, to bringing her, and I hope for her it's a it's a great experience. Yeah, I'm sure overall it's gonna be a fun time. But like, do you feel some kind of pressure, Matt, to to make find a way to ensure that Taylor Swift's gonna be there for your daughter to make sure at least you can see her on, on the big screen there at Arrowhead Stadium and okay. And tell your daughter, you're like, yeah, we're here. She's here too in the same place. Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I don't feel the pressure of that. I feel, in an odd way, I feel like Kansas City, there's a pressure on me, even though I have absolutely no stake in, in making this happen. They need to win this game because it'll be a hell of a lot more fun for Maisie if they win than if they lose. Mm. Um, and God knows for everybody else involved. So um, we'll see. They're 10 and a half points uh, favorite over Denver, which, yeah, listen. I've seen the Chiefs enough in my lifetime to know that like that could be a blow win. That could also be 2020 with five minutes left. Um, but yeah, I I'm looking forward to taking her. It'll be fun. Uh, I'm debating whether to bring earmuffs or not, so she doesn't hear you know, earphones or whatever headphones. Mm. I think the hell with it. You know what? She'll get used to it. She'll deal with the noise. If she wants to be a Chiefs fan, that's that's part of it. You got to deal with the noise. It's, it's not a cheese and wine crowd in Kansas City, so. Yeah, I like that. It's just the only issue is like uh, it's her first NFL game, and it's a, probably the loudest environment in the NFL besides maybe uh, Seattle. But <laughs> there you go. You got you got to learn sometime. Sure, you know what? My biggest concern, honestly, is it's a night game, and you know as well as I do, uh, fans a little more lubricated for night games. Yeah, yeah. That's my concern. My concern is either some moron getting into a fight one section over, which the NFL, by the way, at some point, my God, do something or. Just somebody just drunkenly screaming like an a-hole for three straight hours. But also part of the experience. So uh, I remember one of the first hockey games I ever went to as a kid. Uh, I was watching two adults yell at each other. And like I was a little older than Maisie. I mean, Maisie was six. I was probably like 10 at the time. There was like a Penguins fan and a Devils fan. They were screaming at each other. And this Devils fan, like... He was higher up in the section, so he was like a row up on this guy. And they were in the stair, they're in the staircase, yelling at each other. And the Penguins fan pushed the Devils fan and like pushed him into the seat. And the guy got up and kicked him right in the chest and knocked this guy down like twenty five cement stairs. I thought he killed him. Wow. Got guy got up like clearly concussed, and the usher was like just threw them all out, like threw out like twenty different people. And I remember thinking like. I don't know what to do here, but 
I'm glad that the Devils fan won the fight because I'm a Devils <laughs> fan. That was all I could think of. Like I was, I don't know who was right, who was wrong, what the hell was happening, but um, yeah, good times, good times. And so you know, it's it's part of the experience, I guess, uh, for better or worse. Yeah, it sounds like it'd be kind of scary to watch that unfold, but then like, whoa, where'd that kick come from? So it's kind of like I'm 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 a I'm into combat sports and UFC. I'm like, okay, it must be a pretty devastating kick. It and- was it was just funny because like. I mean, it was at a Devils game. I'm a Devils fan. So we were in Jersey, and it was because the Devils fan did it to the Penguins fan. Like the place erupted. Like, it, and so as a as a kid, I didn't know. I was like, I I guess this is good. Like, and then, like, he got up. So I'm like, all right, he's not dead. It's okay. But it was just, yeah. I mean, it is a little unnerving for a kid. But it's you know, and also, obviously, I hope hopefully there's no fight. And we can just enjoy the game. But yeah. I I also am going to tell her like, listen, if two morons get into a fist fight in the parking lot, like. Keep it moving. Mm-hmm. I just walk by. I remember that was my dad's advice at night at the Dallas games. Like, look, don't, just don't engage. Don't engage. Just watch the game. Like, stay out of it. And that was that's advice I, I still heed 25 years yeah. later. So I, I think she's really going to enjoy walking around, you know, before the game like, to see all the tailgating because, you know, that's one of my favorite places to go to is Arrowhead Stadium and just walk around oh, and yeah. see all the barbecue. And I, I'm just walking, like, hoping somebody invites me over. Hey, you want to have, you want to try some of this brisket or, or some ribs here because, like, they, you know, oh, they yeah. they get down there. They that's some some big old trucks and trailers, and they go all out. So I think she's gonna she's gonna enjoy that environment. I feel like I can't wait. We had a few people who were very generous and reached out. I'm like, hey, if you want to come over, I'm like, yeah, I'll come over. Nice, absolutely, nice. I'll be there. So, all right, listen, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please subscribe if you haven't already to the MMQB podcast. Not only for uh, the show with Gilberto and myself, but also for Connor Orr and Albert Breer. I think Albert's still trying to recover from my take that the Niners might be the most talented team in the salary cap era. Um, <laughs> He, he was, I mean, I'm, I'm half tongue-in-cheek, but he was, like, I think those Cowboys team in the 90s were pretty good. I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. But, like, this team's not bad either. Um, but anyway, subscribe. Uh, they do great work, of course, as well. They've been here longer than us. You should know them by now. Uh, leave a rating, leave a review, and if you leave a comment, we will answer it on the pod, I promise you. All right. Thank you so much for being here. Enjoy week six for Gilberto Manzano. I am Matt Verderam. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you again real soon. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.